Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. Today it's Ethan and Elkin out here running the show. And Elkin, we're going to start off with some of these uh, buyout candidates we spoke about and where they're going now. How do you feel about Joe Johnson to the Rockets? Um, I brought this up with you and Richard, and personally, I like it. And I especially like one of your ideas that you spoke about as far as what lineup they can use them in. You spoke about a small ball lineup. What type of small ball lineup do you envision with Joe Johnson? Well, I remember earlier in the year I talked about trade, trying to get off the Ryan Anderson contract for one Thaddeus, Thaddeus Young, and I thought he yep. could play some center. I don't quite think Joe Johnson has that ability anymore, although he does have like kind of the bulk like a P.J. Tucker does to like really beef up with someone down in the post. Uh, but his rebounding is a little bit more suspect than one P.J. Tucker. I look at him as a four coming in. But I think you could get away with, if you so desired, you could play like a P.J. Tucker, Luke Mahamute, and Joe Johnson lineup, and you'd have the an, enough size between those three to go with James Harden and Chris Paul, and I think you could really make that work. I don't know really why you'd go to that. Like I, I still think Clint Capella is such a value that yeah. the point in time to go small is a lot of times at the end of games, and I still would like to have Clint Capella as a rim runner. But – that's a lineup I think you could use. And more importantly, this is just putting another set of minutes on the floor. So you don't have to maybe run James Harden and Chris Paul into the ground like yeah. the right back half of the season. Yeah, and I was actually going to ask you, whose minutes is he going to take up? But you bring up a point as far as he can probably just go ahead and take some of their minutes because he's ISO Joe, so he can he can bring up the ball a few times if they need him to. If they need him to start the offense, he can do that as well. And that'll definitely help out the Rockets and not burning their guys out before the season ends. Yeah, and that's something you always have to be worried about when you're when you're talking about a team like the Rockets with so much so much top heavy talent and a bunch of role players underneath them. Mm-hmm. I think a real person this is going to save is Trevor Ariza. I feel like he's a guy who has lost his legs a little bit late in the season, mm-hmm. um, and I think like keeping him out of those power forward minutes for the remainder of the regular season is going to be important. Uh, for his for his success because while he uh, is supposed to be a, a three and D kind of guy, like he's still good at both those things, but he's not as good as he's been in the past. At least my eye test wise, I'm I'm pulling up his stats right now as we speak, and his three point percentage is 38, percent which is above what he <laughs> shot what he what he shot last year, and is actually above his career average. So maybe it's a little bit of uh, bad eyesight for me, but I think. I don't know. Maybe I just watched him during a swoon in the season, but I, I think I think you have to be concerned about him as, as a rule because he just he seems to have lost a little bit this year, and I think you need to preserve his health. That's that's yeah. just my thoughts, anyway. Yeah, and one of the last positives, of course, for me is you bring in a guy who's been in plenty of playoff series, has a lot of playoff experience, hasn't got as far as other players, but from what I've seen, even going back to last year, he's performed in the playoffs. Yeah, he really was an important part to the Jazz beating the uh, the Clippers last year and to the Jazz being competitive in most of their games with the Warriors. So if you're looking for a guy who can exploit some mismatches, he's not going to take the bad shots. I mean, look, you can even go back to when he signed with the Heat after being bought out by the Nets. He he played an important role in that Charlotte Hornets series um, that the Heat had last time they were in the playoffs. So, like there's... There's a lot of things you can be uh, you can be happy about with having a guy like this coming to your team. He's he's not going to be a negative, is my guess. Hmm. Uh, the next guy though that I saw got bought out 
Marco Bellinelli. That's, I think that's one that a few of us, we called that one. Mm-hmm. And the rumor that we have here is him going to the 76ers. What do you think about them adding him onto the roster? I think this is a home run of a signing for mm-hmm. this reason more than anything else. Like now Ben Simmons' flexibility in terms of what position you can like technically list him as is even more uh, expansive. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he plays functional point guard, but he runs it from the four. Um, or he runs it from the three, which is incredibly valuable if you can have a ball handler that far down the uh, in the like one through five. But I look at this now as a closing lineup. You can have a Redick, you can have a Bellinelli, Simmons, Embiid, and then in, insert other person there because like you can play Sarge more now, mm-hmm. like with like an, an ultra big lineup. Like Simmons can float up to guard a one if like he hasn't he has a physical advantage over them. He can float down to a three if, if it's too much for Bellinelli to handle. You know, like I, I like the flexibility that, that it gives this team and their ability to to really change how they want to guard people. And I think that's incredibly valuable, especially as a team that's gonna be looking for mismatches in the first mm-hmm. round of the playoffs. Yeah, and I think it definitely keeps with the with the theme of you wanna surround Ben Simmons with shooters. That's what you want to do because he's going to find the shooter. And like you said, you could put a Sarge in there. You can even put a Covington in there. Yeah, you're still going to have shooters regardless. And that's what you need. If not, Ben Simmons, he'll still find a way, but this makes him more deadly. And and I'm interested to see what's he going to bring. I like seeing veterans, kind of like a Joe Johnson move. What can veterans bring to team, especially with a team young like the 76ers? Yes, they have J.J. Redick and a few veterans like Amir Johnson on there but their core is mainly a young group. And I'm interested to see when you put a guy like that in there. Yeah. I, I'm looking at this specifically as like, okay, now TLC and Justin mm-hmm. Anderson are less likely to be taking uh, open threes. And you're just kind of maybe throwing, but Bellinelli in there who like, you can look at the track records of both those young players and then look at the uh, career of Bellinelli and Bellinelli is the better option to be taking those mm-hmm. open threes. And so, yeah, I, I overlooked Covington when I was like, for like just doing the roster off the top of my head, but yeah, you can go if you can go in Bead, Covington, Simmons, Bellinelli, Reddick. Like all of a sudden, like Bellinelli and Reddick are both not lockdown defenders, but like I don't think anyone questions their effort when they played for good teams. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you've got you know three plus defenders in Covington, Simmons, and in Bead, and then you got two guys who are going to hustle and like run people off the three point line. All of a sudden, like that's looking like a pretty good setup. I like it. And I think, like you said, it works out best for them the way that they have their roster set up. And the next guy, though, I'm going to be kind of clueless as far as where he's going to go, what's going to happen with him. Derrick Rose, in a a move I think most everyone saw coming, bought out by the Jazz. Here he is on the market. Which team do you see him going to, Ethan? Well, you guys broke the news to me that he it was a done deal from going to Minnesota. And today, when I'm trying to put, <laughs> put together our document – Okay, first of all, I don't think Derrick Rose deserves to be in the league. Like, if you want a guy who's just going to throw up shots, I think Jordan Crawford's better at it at this point. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I really don't. Like, he's a better catch-and-shoot guy for certain, and I think he gets in the lane and can draw contact just as good and has probably a better chance of, like, like taking some contact, like, and floating and then finishing a shot. Like, Derrick Rose has no value to me at at any – in any capacity. And if you're t- like, I saw today that Woj tweeted that he was uh, getting interest drawn from the Wizards. And I'm like, what are you thinking? Your team, like, okay, you're talking about a bad chemistry guy, potentially in John Wall, and you're going to bring in Derrick Rose? Your team's finally playing well. I don't bring it in. They're bringing in the replacement for John Wall. That's all they're doing. <laughs> well, why don't we bring back a guy with some Washington roots 
and Jordan Crawford. He was draft. That's where his first team was, I believe. I think he got drafted by the Hawks in a draft day trade to the Wizards, if I'm not mistaken. So, honestly, before the before the major injuries to Derrick Rose, did you ever like Derrick Rose's game? So, talking about MVP Rose, did you ever like his game? Okay, now you're calling out my biases, and I don't like this. Okay. I'm just ask- no, I'm asking. It's honest- <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say unfairly, I don't like Derrick Rose. It starts with a guy in college I don't like, and John Calipari. Calipari, mm. you know, cover my bases there. I'm not a big fan of his. I love what he does for players to get to the NBA, but I I hate the way he develops players because I look at all these UK guys who are so much better in the pros than they are in college, and I'm like, man, like do these guys a favor and get them even more shine. Like, there's no reason Devin Booker should have slid as far in the second round and the first round as he did, like down to the bottom end of the lottery. Mm-hmm. Like you, you like oh well, I get all my guys the, the pro. Well, you cost that guy millions. Where I mean, like, I'm just. I don't know. It just frustrates me the way he coaches and doesn't like give his, I think mean, you know, it doesn't put his players in the best light, even though like eventually it bears out and Carly Towns is shown to, Oh, this guy shoots threes. Yeah. Number one overall pick. No doubt. Now, so, either that, either that, or you have a guy like Daniel Orton being drafted in the first round. Right. You know what? So, so maybe I shouldn't be so mad because he's getting some guys, at least a bag or two after, <laughs> he, after he drops a bag to get them there. Yep. But I mean, uh, I'm looking at a guy right now that's on the Sixers roster, one James Young, a freshman at Kentucky, that Man. left as one and done and has done nothing in the NBA. And I wonder, you know what? He did that guy solid, but I don't know. It, it's just a frustration of mine. It's not particularly well-founded, I'll admit that. But So Derrick Rose has kind of been on my bad list in terms of guys mm. I don't really want to root for. And then, like, he comes in and he steals an MVP from LeBron, which is stupid. Oh. And – he's going to be the first MVP, MVP winner to not make the Hall of Fame. I think we're looking at that right now. There's a very good chance. Derrick Rose was great. Like, there's there's no way I'll say he wasn't a great player. But, but, but if there's a little bit of a someone has to put the ball in the basket kind of thing going on with him. He was a low mm-hmm. efficiency, volume scorer, not a good passer. But he he if he was like – I don't want to, you know, I hate attacking people's intelligence, but I'm going to say it. If he was a, a savvy enough guy to realize that triple doubles were a cool thing, maybe he could have been the Russell Westbrook before Russell Westbrook. Like he, he could have been a statistical phenomenon before Russell Westbrook did it. I mean, he had all the athleticism. He had all the speed that he could possibly – pretty much yeah, he was. And I think he was even more athletic than Russell Westbrook. Ooh. I think he's a better floater like after the explosion, but I think Russell Westbrook takes it in terms of just pure ups. A vertical leap, that one actually we can look it up. Derrick Rose does have a higher vertical leap. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I, I still disagree. I'm doing the eye test here, Elkin. Oh, eye test. No, but I'm talking about measurement. But you know what? I could be wrong. That's what happens here at the Hero Bob podcast. We are definitely wrong on several occasions, which brings us to our next team, which we weren't really wrong about them before the season. The next state of the franchise that we're looking at are the Phoenix Suns. Oh, yeah. Phoenix Suns sitting currently 14th in the West, 18 and 39. Just lost to Denver Nuggets. Ethan, what do the Phoenix Suns have to offer as far as quality core players or just core players, period? 
Well, all, in, in the in the idea of being transparent, I'm going to run off all the names that I wrote down as their core players, and I'm going to even say the question marks at the end. But yeah, Devin Booker, Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris, Josh Jackson, Alfred Payton. I tried to order those and guys that how I value them. You might mm-hmm. value them differently. Um, and then I put T.J. Warren question mark and Tyler Eulis question mark. T.J. Warren because he's got a, he just got an extension. Well, uh, the Nate Duncan podcast dunked on calls the uh, Josh Richardson because that's it's like the the four year uh. $50 million extension. Um, and uh, Tyler Ulis, question mark, because they just brought in Alfred Payton. I don't know how they're planning to use Ulis to begin. I'm still looking at him as like a 20, 24 minute backup kind of guy that you hopefully have another point guard like a George Hill, maybe that you can play alongside him at points. Um, that's how I look at Tyler Ulis and how he should be utilized, but he is he is very small. Um, question, Elkin, how much do you value a Josh Jackson? Because I almost put him in the bad contracts category, even though he's on a rookie-scale deal. I started watching some of their games. Normally, I've been staying away from bad teams recently because I'm just like, I don't really care about bad teams. Well, in recent years. But since starting the ball, the Hero Ball podcast, I've been watching him, and I've been watching him play. He has what I call physical tools, but then when I see him on the floor – I begin to question how is he actually using those tools and is using it the best and he's really helping out his team when he's on the floor. But I think his contract isn't that bad because I'm looking at potential, but it seems like you have an issue with his, with the potential that not the potential, but what he's really bringing to the table and what's he actually adding to the team. That's what I'm sensing here. <laughs> well, I say it kind of facetiously because he's like $8 million his last year of his contract. That's still not, like that's still not a yeah. bad deal for a, what should be a lockdown defender. And he yeah. has played good defense for the most part. Uh, it's, it's, this is a kind of a hard team to judge on how much defensive talent these guys have when people <laughs> people are getting beat so badly. Like, you know, Dragon Bender gets beat on a – like he closes out and he gets beat off the dribble. And then Marquise Chris might come over and get a really good help side block. But, like, mm-hmm. he, he if, if the, maybe the guy who's attacking was more – off, like aware, he would have just dumped it off to Chris's man, who Chris left completely alone. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to tell. I like the idea of getting Peyton in here to like kind of sure up some of the uh, guard defense because he is he's a solid guard defender, definitely. Um, and I don't know, like Tyson Chandler. Like I, I still like him as a body. He's just old. And it, it's hard to judge anything out here when you're playing for nothing. But back to yeah. Josh. Like if I can back to Josh yeah. Jackson. Okay. Like, I, I just don't see anything in his jump shot that gives me faith. Like when I watched Justice Winslow, a player I compare I compared him to coming out of the draft. I thought Josh Jackson was more athletic. Justice Winslow a bit more of a, a better passer naturally. Josh Jackson he got lauded about his passing ability, but I didn't necessarily see it. Um, Josh Jackson has a hitch in his shot. Justice Winslow just isn't confident, but he's shooting a lot better this year. So like I don't see a, a path for him to become a good shooter. Until he changes his form, and as we've seen with a Michael Kidd Gilchrist, that, uh, that, that doesn't always happen. Sorry, when you brought that up, as you started, like the more you talked about him, and then finally you hit it with the hitch. I'm like, are we looking at the Michael Kidd Gilchrist of the West? Essentially, people are saying, I'm thinking of the same they said about Michael Kidd Gilchrist when he came out. Athletic guy, going to be a superb defender, going to improve on his jump shot because that's what we do in the NBA. You can't teach defense. And here we are. I feel like we're just doing the same thing, but with a uh, Josh Jackson. I think his instincts are a little bit better. I look at a uh, kid Gilchrist and how he was buoyed by an Anthony Davis playing next to him, finishing up everything around the rim. 
Um, it, even you go back and there was a Doron Lamb who took a lot of shots for that championship team, really good three-point shooter mm-hmm. in college. Uh, Josh Jackson, I just – I watch him play. I don't see anything that's just wow about his offensive abilities. And if you're a fourth overall pick, you don't want a defensive specialist. You want someone mm-hmm. who can play – on both sides of the floor very effectively. You don't necessarily need a superstar, like especially when you've no. got a guy like Devin Booker who should be able to turn into an offensive one and has the physical tools to be a good defender. You have a Dragon Bender who's supposed to be able to spread the floor, and I think he's doing better at that. I don't know what his percentages are, but like I look at his shot and I say that that translates. That's going to be good at some point. Yeah. And then how much – are you still in on Marquise Chris? Are you are you saying let's give this guy more chance, give this guy more more playing time? Or are you like I think we kind of know what type of player he's going to be? I don't want to give up on him because he started basketball kind of late in his life, and mm-hmm. he's still missing a lot of the just general know what to do, buddy. Like mm-hmm. okay, the ball swings, you don't stick to your man, you you kind of float to, a little bit more of the middle court, like you know being able to help effectively more than just relying on his physical tools. Um, I don't know enough about Jay Triano to say if he's the, a coach to do that or if the next coach will be a coach to do that. But, like, I imagine him in, like, a Spurs or Heat system or playing for Brad Stevens. Um, I imagine him being incredibly effective and very versatile and, like, learning the game and becoming a, better quickly. Yeah. But it's hard It's hard to, It's hard. hard to get better quickly when you got a guy like Earl Watson who was a player's coach and – a lot of people I've heard, like you know, like Amino Hassan or someone, like talked about how he was a let's let's enable the players to do play as they want to play versus getting them to play as they should play. Oh, wow! And uh, when I when I hear that, I I think okay, well Chris is Chris as a guy who hasn't played long enough in the league and hasn't played long enough before the league. Um, he he's a guy who needs a coach to assign him a role and make him do it. So looking at that core group of players that you name. Let's just say in four years from now, we're we're about to, well, I should say more, not really four, maybe three years from now, two. We're about to start the 2021 season. Who is going to be left on this roster? I think Peyton's going to get an extension. Like he's or he's gonna like they're gonna, either going to sign his qualifying offer and hope someone offers him years, mm-hmm. but not a whole lot of dollars, so they can get him for longer. Because I, I don't think they want to, like, just offer the qualifying offer and get him for one year. Because I, th- I think they value him as a, hey, he's a really good fit with a Devin Booker because of mm-hmm. shooting. Like, you can ha- we can have a little bit less of a shooter if we're next to a guy like Devin Booker who can really light it up. Yeah. Um, at that point in time, like, I think Dragon Bender will be in the last year of his rookie deal. So I think he's someone that they're going to look to keep. The guy's so young right now. He He's going to develop be a good player for this team. I have so much faith in him for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> like, seriously, again, he hasn't, he hasn't shown me really anything. But the guy's only 20 years old, and he's been in the league for two years. Like, yeah. I, 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 I believe in age as a uh, as a, uh, a attributable statistic. He shouldn't – okay, just for the record, he improved from tw- uh, 27.7% from three last year on 2.3 attempts per game. Playing in only 43 games. He's played in 57 right. games this year. Mm-hmm. He's taking 3.7 attempts per game from three this year, and he's shooting 38.6%. So wow. confidence, um, reps, he's shooting 79% from the free throw line. So like, I, won't, I don't think it's a shot. I don't think this is a like random good thing. He's not a rebounder. That's a problem. He needs to get better at that. But this guy is a guy you can build around, and as this, the league changes, he needs to put some muscle on. He's a, but he's only 20 years old. 
Yeah, that's. I think that's where you keep getting at because it'll be one thing that we're sitting here talking about Dragon Bender, the 24, 25-year-old basketball player compared to just a 20-year-old, which is you bring up a good point. Yeah. So, uh, and, and for me, I look at it where the games that I've seen and the stats back it up, he what he brings to it, I might even say he's more valuable than a Josh Jackson as far as what he brings. I certainly think so. I think the only thing that values Jackson more is he's got one more year before yeah. he he has an opportunity to get paid. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking at I'm looking at the contracts right now. So like you said 2021. That'll like you you'll have to have signed Bender to his next contract. Booker yep. will be Booker will be uh, two years into his uh, next contract, and hope maybe Peyton will be on an expiring contract. Maybe he'll get a uh, a two year contract. Maybe probably a three year contract. I would guess is what he'll get, something like he'll get. So, like, I think those are the three players that you're looking at is, like, those are the guys we're trying to fill in the spots around. Um, I don't know if T.J. Warren has a place on a team. Like, I think he needs to learn how to play power forward if he's mm. going to continue playing the way he does and not expand his range to three. If he, wants, if he wants to play at the three, he needs to be able to shoot, like, that's 38% true. from three. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just my thoughts. And, you know, like, I, I, could, I could really get behind an Alfred Payton, Devin Booker, insert 3 and D, small forward, TJ Warren and Dragon Bender, if Dragon Bender is going to put on some weight as he ages. All right. So as you're talking about contracts, um, in our little cheat sheet we made, you we could only find or you only found one bad contract currently on the books, and that was Brandon Knight's contract. So there's nothing else that's really just while well, this is really bad or sticks out to you. I mean, the TJ Warren getting paid like uh, it's it's eleven point seven, ten million, eleven point seven, twelve point seven million dollars. Over the next uh, four uh, four years, and that's like he's got a whopping total of fifty million dollars left uh, guaranteed money left on his contract. Um, the way I look at it is like, yeah, that's not like necessarily what you want. Like he's probably like if you had to like if you found like you know player efficiency rating or a perfect stat to value, and then you divide it by the dollars, he might come in at more of like a ten million dollar player than his twelve. But he's a solid player. He's not going to be like a net negative if you have other talent surrounding him. Uh, the problem is that we don't have that talent surrounding him yet. So, um, like you tell me, Elkin, like it's, it's and Brandon Nice contract's not terrible. If this guy's healthy and this is like a playoff level team, like you could, you, I, I could get get down with a, a backup point guard for two years, making thirty million dollars. Like I'm about to pay Tyler Johnson forty million dollars the next two years. Like I, I can get over a little, a little check here and there if you're going to provide a value to the team. It's just this team's not ready for a Brandon Knight. He, he, he's, he's. <laughs> He's too much of a I've been a good player and I'm not anymore kind of guy for me. So it seems as though every year I'm thinking Phoenix is going to be close to the bottom of the standings, which means high lottery pick. But this is one of the teams that for me, I, I, I don't think I can remember the last time they had a top three pick is they have all these bad records, but they just keep ending up with the fourth. Like that's what I see. Fourth pick sticks out in my head. Like Phoenix gets the fourth pick again, yeah. fourth pick again. And this year, of course, they have a chance. They have both their picks for this year, first and second round. Are they obviously they're going to stay low in the standings? So, do you think this is a year the lottery finally bounces their way, or are we still going to run the same track record? Well, this is what I'll tell you: even if they don't get lucky and go up into the top three, they can get there with a Miami first round pick that they have available to them. There, there's there's got, there's going to be a team that's in the lottery mm-hmm. that looks at how deep this draft is and says, "Hey." Let's get two of these versus just the one. 
Oh. They'll, they'll, they'll slide down and take whatever pick Miami ends up being, like, you know, somewhere between 15 and, and 20, I would guess, and say, yeah, you, we'll take your number five, you can have number two, and we'll also take the Miami pick. Like, I, I could see someone doing that if Phoenix were so inclined. But if I'm Phoenix, I look at this, these the contract statuses and say, all right, we're going to have to pay Booker here pretty soon. We're going to have to pay Bender or whoever else. Like, I could – if this these guys perform what we want them to, we're going to have to pay them like a yeah. dollar amount. We have the ability to do so. Let's go ahead and just keep adding young talent, like especially while we're waiting to see what what Dragon Bender can become, what Marquise Chris can become. Because those two guys, that's where a lot of this stuff hinges. Because if Marquise Chris is still going to be a low low percentage, high volume three point shooter, you know, throws throws them up, but not a lot go in. Mm-hmm. If he's not going to get any better at defensive awareness, like he might be a guy that someone has, someone else takes the flyer on, like if the when the Suns pull his qualifying offer. Fair enough. So if you were the Suns last year, on on the table was a trade, trading away that fourth pick, possibly getting back a player like Kyrie. Would you have done that? Would you have pulled the trigger on that trade? I would have sold everything on my roster except for Devin Booker, Dragon, and Dragon Bender to get Kyrie Irving. Oh, fair enough. Like honestly, like that's exactly how I would have felt about that transaction. Uh, Keep in mind when, that we, we had Eric Bledsoe then, like so that would it could have been true. like a fourth four, that that pick. Um, I'm like I, I don't know how like when you can start making calls to other teams like how much it's legal because like before the uh, before free agency was happening, like that's like that was when uh, Kyrie was like really getting you know antsy and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like if you could have like. Because Josh Jackson's not a LeBron play-by guy. Like, almost anyone they could have took would have been a better, like, fit next to LeBron James. Um, so that, that Kyrie Irving trade just wasn't on the, wasn't on the, on the minds of anyone the, during, the, during the draft time. So I'm looking at the contracts they have for the next few years. I'm looking at the roster, what's talking about the next few years. After how many years, and I know this depends on who you pick, who you sign, in how many years can I expect the Suns to make a serious push for let's be competitive again or let's just keep doing our deal of playing young players and losing? When are they going to start being competitive again? If you could tell me that David Fisdale is going to take this job. Ooh. You could tell me that I, I don't have another hot coach name on, on, on my tongue right now, but if you could tell me that he's taking this job, I feel really confident this team is, could be a playoff team within two years just based on the some of the upside talent they have between Alfred Payton. I look at what, uh, you know, Fizdale was on the uh, the coaching tree for a, a player like Mario Chalmers, turned him into a really solid starter. Um, look what, like, the Heat have done for <laughs> James Johnson. Like, Marquise Chris has all the physical tools to do something like that, whether he has the mental capacity is a different thing. There's just so much – there's just so much talent available on this roster – like to, to be nourished and fed and groomed to something special. And I just, I just really hope they, they get a coach with some player development background. Cause that's what this team needs. Um, Cause when you got a guy like Devin Booker, like you have, like he scored 70 points a game. I don't care if they were gunning for it. Like he scored 70 at the end of the day. Right. Like I, I can play pickup and take every shot. It doesn't mean I'll score every, all the points for my team, but before the other team gets the points too, like, it's 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 a hard thing to do is to compete completely, just keep putting the ball in the bucket every time. Doesn't matter. It's 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 hard, and he has the ability to do that like few others do. And uh, 
You just got to surround him with talent. And I like the Alfred Payton trade. I like I like Dragon Bender. I even kind of like Alex Lynn to be to stick around and maybe if you get the right coach, he can turn into like you know one like a Tyson Chandler type, like a big body rim roller, athletic, just go up and dunk it, protect mm-hmm. the rim. There's no reason he can't do that. We have that's the first time we mentioned it, in Alex Lynn. No, but he watching Alex Lynn play though is so frustrating for me because when I watch him, it's kind of the Marquise Chris thing. What are you doing on the floor and do you know what you're supposed to be doing? And you know how it is, Ethan. Bas- intangibles and intelligence are probably two of the most important things. If you don't know where you're supposed to be, for me, that's a really big issue that you're still having trouble figuring out. Okay, I'm supposed to rotate here. I'm supposed to slide over here. I'm supposed to drop back here. I'm supposed to pick yeah. here. And th- that's why I think their next coaching hire is the most important thing this franchise is going to do. More important than these next two draft picks. Because they have enough young guys in the roster right now that they should be able to develop this into a, a good team. Obviously, you want to do well with your draft picks this year and add mm-hmm. more talent and develop them too. But, like, I mean, if, 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 if you told almost any coach that, you okay, I'm going to give you a Alfred Payton, a Devin Booker, Dragon Bender, and Josh Jackson, they're all under uh, 20. They're all under 23. They're 23 years old or younger. You think you can make this a playoff team by, by the, like in the next three years? I think a lot of coaches would be very confident they could groom those players into something special. And we just haven't seen it yet. Keep in mind, like Devin Booker and Dragon Bender are still so young, 21 and 20. And that's one thing. And I'm and I was trying to and I was gonna ask you that next, as far as a good coach in place, you have that those four players, you have players like that. How many ones can you see a legit coach winning with this team? I I I just I, with this team especially, like Tyson Chandler. Is going to make the right plays on defense. You can pair him in there with with plenty of guys to like find an effective role. I think this team, if capped out, like if you gave a, this team a Rick Carlisle, someone who's a tactician, who's going to be tedious over every game plan, going to try to win every single game with talent. Because right now he's he's doing stuff in Dallas. Like let me pull up what they where they're at with wins. Let's see how fast I can do this with what he's doing in Dallas right now with a team that is stinky. No, not a whole lot of talent there. He's got them the like one loss better than the the Suns, and I think I don't think very many people would say that the Suns have less talent than the Mavericks. No, that the Mavericks are Mavericks have, have okay, like their Devin Booker talent is what you would call Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, give me a break with that. Like Devin Booker is way more talented than Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. And other than that, you're looking at Dennis Smith Jr. Like I mean, he's very talented, a young player. But like between Bender, Chris, Peyton now, and um, Josh Jackson, you think you could value that as well? I think if you gave this team a tactician coach, it would they could they could be up they could finish the season with like thirty wins. I think like that that'd be the exact highest ceiling, and then that puts you that. a year from now looking at maybe thirty five. But you know what? I think they're doing the right thing and stinking. They need to lose more games. <laughs> I mean, you might as well right now. You don't have, you don't have a good coach. You might as well just keep losing at this point. You just get best pick you possibly get. And this is just a sidetrack. I know I don't know how much college basketball you've been watching this year. Mm-hmm. Which player do you see coming in? As far as let's say Phoenix has the first pick, they're on the clock. Which oh. player do you think will be the most impactful on their team? Well, Ethan Googles 2019, uh, 2018 NBA draft, so he can say a name that he hasn't scouted. Um, I don't know. Like, I 
this is probably not like the, the bright pick because he's like a sophomore in college. But the guy I've really kind of fallen in love with is the uh, uh, Bridges from Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now I'm looking at uh, what's his NBA draft net. They have him going 15th on this thing. Um, I don't know. I value him a lot more than that. But they they have him. They have Trey Young going to Phoenix at the fifth pick on this this website. Um, honestly, I think what I would do if I had the first pick, I would go with a either Luka Doncic or DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton because he's a he's in Arizona and he looks like a tank. And I love I've I've watched literally two games of his. This most yeah. recent one at UCLA, which they ended up losing. But I just watch him I'm like that guy is scary in terms of physical physicals. And then I say Luka Doncic because. He's he's got like the, the more physical tools than some of the other guards that are coming yeah. out. You know he's got size, he's got quickness. Um, I think you can play him at a small forward with Booker and Peyton, and all of a sudden you're really looking at like three guys who can make make uh, make hay in the pick and roll offense or a pick and like a, a high screen uh, dribble handoffs kind of thing. I, I I would go with with Luka Doncic or DeAndre Ayton and. If you get DeAndre Ayton, you're looking at uh, trying to get rid of Tyson Chandler, dump his expiring, trying to uh, bring like get rid of. You probably just don't even bring Alex Lynn back. But those those are the guys I like a lot, and and the reason I say I like those two is that's two of the only players I've really watched play. To be honest, <laughs> no, that's that's fair enough. That's fair I'm, enough. I'm just I'm, I'm just not there yet in the uh, the NBA season has been too good in my opinion to. Uh, yeah, a lot of my eye away. Like I watch Xavier play a lot because I'm a Xavier fan, mm-hmm. and I think some team would be wise to get Trayvon Blewett and put him in a Wayne Ellington role for ten Ooh. minutes a game next year. But that's just me. We'll see what happens. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I don't have anything else to add to the Suns. There's only so much we can talk about how bad and how much they need to tank. But is there anything else you wanted to add? I don't know. I'm just now. I'm just scrolling through this NBA thing, this uh draft thing. I'm trying to figure out how many of these people actually know who they are. You know, because like I'm looking at like right now they got the uh, Jalen Brunson going 44th to the Knicks Ooh. in the second round, and I'm like, well, he's a, he's a junior, and if he's going to be a second mm-hmm. round pick, I could see him just sticking around for his senior year, like one Josh Josh Hart did. Yeah, you know, when he was looking at a bo- like, like I kind of think that's a, I think I think he'll be back in college, but Jalen Brunson's the kind of guy. I look at uh, what Fred Van Vliet's doing for Toronto, and I I was down on Fred Van Vliet. I didn't think he had the athleticism to stick around in the NBA. Jalen Brunson's a better athlete. I don't know if he's better standstill or off the dribble, catch and shoot. Like I don't know if he's better off the dribble or catch and shoot than Fred VanVleet. But he's got that, you know, I'm going to do my kind of game. And I think he, I think he could be a, a, a nice addition for a team in a second round this year or a year from now. I really like his game. Yeah, and I mean, waiting down the year doesn't hurt. Like we saw with Josh Hart, he kind of – you saw what what happened with him. More experience, he came in, and you saw with the playing time with the Lakers this year. For me, I see him as a possible role player on the Lakers. You keep him on just all the minutes because the minutes that I've seen Josh Hart play to me has always been positive minutes. He's doing what you want him to do on the basketball court, and sometimes I do enjoy him watching him more than Lonzo Ball. It's not a dig, but I do enjoy Josh Hart's game a lot. Yeah, when I think about Josh Hart, I think about my horrible joke about the like the flash, the 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 jumps. Like I was doing the Kuzma Hart and Lonzo thing. I was like, oh Hart's got Hart, you know. I was making, <laughs> making making bad pun jokes out here, but I thought that was that was pretty funny at the time. Um, oh Colin, Colin Sexton is a guy I kind of I'm kind of into. He uh 
he had that game against was it uh was it Arkansas that they it was four on or three it's on like, three on five and they I think a, so yeah positive plus minus in, in that time because Colin Sexton was just still able to cook like I I'm into that I'm into Colin Sexton just because he he's got a great point guard name we'll we'll, we'll say it at that. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm I'm finished over here. We're and gonna go. with that, <laughs> we're gonna go on a mock draft eventually. And <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I can't wait till that because like that's what like like we had so much fun last year talking about Donovan Mitchell and all those other guys. Like I me fawning over Jonathan Isaac, who's getting wasted on the Magic right now because he's been hurt and he plays for the Magic. But <laughs> you know what? Um, I I can't wait till that time comes, Elkin. Me, you, and Richard are going to have a good time. Who knows? Maybe by that time we'll be able to bring on a, a mock draft expert and because the Hero Ball podcast will be something special by then. Or not so – it's already something special. It'll be something special that everyone knows about. All right. Fair enough. All right. With, with our with our son's focus today, um, we're going to go to perhaps the best player in Suns history. No offense, Charles Barkley. I mean, two MVPs is special. We'll see if how everyone reacts to that. But Steve Nash once said, my best move is my pull-up jump shot.